rice and uh, you know, like you could just have your favorite Asian food every we have day one of the downtown week. Downtown Coburg, a bubble tea. Is there a new? Yes. Is there really a bubble yeah, tea? It's down on Coburg, down downtown, right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's there. How cool! I know. It's, if you haven't checked out the popular. bubble tea place in Coburg, folks, I wish I could remember I encourage the name that of it. You do. <laughs> It's, it's, you have to get them on the show. It's on King East. If you don't know what bubble tea is, it's not really tea if per se. No. It's not like a hot beverage. It's like a sort of a fruit smoothie with like little tapioca blobs in it. If you like tapioca? Yeah. I do. It's been a while. That's super Maybe I'll for you then. have to get a bubble tea. I think it's a bit of a sugar fix too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't really do sugar that often. Uh, folks, those of you just tuning into Chef's Corner here, we were just chatting about different foods here in Vancouver. We had t- chatted earlier today on the show with Elise from Tobin's Cafe. Uh, Ron, we got a few minutes left here in the show. What's new in your world? Me? What have you been cooking lately? <laughs> Little old me. <laughs> What's going on in Michelle, uh, Chef Michelle's world? I'm teaching world. the culinary program over at Gates College. <gasps> That's right. Yeah. That yeah, is amazing. And I'm having a blast with it. I hear that you are, actually. I, I hear through the grapevine good things oh, about you. Oh, do you? Yeah. Actually, I might have just found my calling. Well, that comes as absolutely no surprise to me. <laughs> to see you standing in front of a class talking about food. Well, and what, I, what, I, what I'm finding is, is really um, rewarding about it is that there's always that textbook version, that version, uh-huh. right, that you know, this is how you do it with the Ben Marie and you're making the hot yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And then I turn around and I go, okay, and this is how the way we do it in the real world. <laughs> <laughs> it you is know? true. There's there's there, a lot of There's a lot for me personally working in the industry and I have uh, one person working in the industry, another one who's just uh, retired and who just wants to learn about food and yeah, learn about yeah, different yeah. skills. And How many are in your class? Uh, I've got four so far, but there's four. room for more. I know it's a small class, but it's, no, it's kind of nice. Great. It's intimate. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a regular, uh, relatively new program there. They have the other program for Gates College up in Sault Ste. Marie. So I'm just... So is it right here in Coburg? It's right here in Coburg. Right here in Coburg. In Gates, Gates in the mall. In the mall. And, and do they have like a kitchen facility? Oh, yeah. yeah we got full. the whole nine years. Really? The whole shame, bam. Yeah. I, I didn't know. And how wonderful that is for you. I, I can't imagine you doing anything else to, other than you. this, maybe, doing the radio I'm thing. But talking about food, you're so passionate about it. You love talking about food. You love cooking food. Lots I can't imagine a better teacher than you. Thank you, Ryan. Well, yeah, I'm enjoying it. So if you want to learn a few culinary techniques and meet me in person, you can. There's different course lengths, too. They got a 15 week and a 34 week. So I love it. You can come and learn a little bit more and surprise yourself. How many classes have you done so far? Uh, I'm into my third week. You're into third week. And it's interesting because the one lady who's retired signed up for 15 weeks. And after the second, first day, she's like, that's it. I'm doing the whole class. I learned so much in one day. Nice. But I threw them in with both feet. Hollandaise? Hollandaise first day off, one of the mother's sauces, one of the hardest sauces they say to make. Bang. Had it no problem. Wanted to see where, where they were with using a stove. Yeah, but yeah. Prior to that, we did that in the afternoon. Prior to that, we made French onion soup. Yeah. Learned about caramelizing. Take something so simple, Ron, as onions and so basic. Add, you know, a few little spices in there, a little bit of leaf, a little thyme, a little this, a little that. Caramelize it properly. You can add water into it if you've got veggie stock. You or can sherry or... Or sherry or white wine or whatever. Um, and bang. And they were so impressed. And what I did with them is we made it three different ways. We made it with a cooking onion, a red onion, and a sweet Valida onion. Ooh. I wanted to, them to see the different on how the starch in and the sugars in the onions caramelized and how quickly they did or didn't. So you probably had the least 
uh, success with the red onion. Absolutely. It yeah. was pretty much white. That is, yeah, that is not a good onion to cook with. But that was not textbook and that was not in the no, book. No, no. But, I but that's a good, but that's it. a great exercise so that's to know the difference. I mean, yeah. 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 It's like, but if, you know, if that's all you got at home and you got to make some French onion soup, by all means, use Bing bong. red onions. Perfect. You know, use what's in the pantry. Love it. Do what you need to do. So, yeah, that's enough about me. <laughs> Thank you for asking. Uh, today in food history. I what happened today in food we, history? What no, do we got? You know what, what we today got? is? November the 7th. And it is National Make Men, Din, Ma, National Men Make Dinner Day. Today, what are you making? November 7th is National Men Make Dinner Day. Yeah. I did not know that. What are you making for dinner, Ron? Well, um, we just flew in from the plane uh, from Vancouver last night. No so. excuses. It's men make dinner. But you see, I'm smart. I'm a smart man who makes dinner <laughs> ahead of time in I, the freezer. <laughs> I had chili in the freezer, so I pulled the chili out, and we're making chili this this afternoon. Chili sounds for delicious. A um, cu- couple little thingies there with regards to uh, why National Men Make Dinner Day. Uh, while cooking, you can still wear your tool belt. Simply replace the hammer with a whisk. Oh, hearty, hearty, hearty. Yeah, I know. Several recipes, and, and you know this, include beer as a legitimate ingredient. That's guys. right. So for those men out there, you can be having your beer, putting it in as well. You can put a little beer, stew. a little stout in your sabayon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, whoever is cooking gets the most attention from the dog. You know, that's a fact. That's, that's not even funny. That's a fact. Uh, and, and a cat. If you got a cat and a dog, I, I get it both. Um, and uh, anyways, it was just some funny little. Whatever recipe you choose, you can name it after yourself. Example, tonight's dinner is called Doug's Surprise. <laughs> Doug's Surprise. Doug. Uh, you can still, uh, since you choose the recipe, it can be turnip free night. I don't like turnips. Am I the only one on earth? I like turnip. I know you do. I Everybody like does. The day ahead. I, I might know. be the you only one that doesn't turnip. like turnip. They're just I'm going to cook turnip for you and you're going to try it. Such uh, Some desserts, such as creme brulee, require the use of a propane torch. It's true. Ah. You can. You need it to, to caramelize Mine's butane. the top. The little butane the one little, that you yeah, hook the can I mean. on. But, you know, if he's got one sitting in the garage. You pull out the big one. Hey. The acetylene torch to do your <laughs> creme brulee. <laughs> Get it going. So there you go. National Men Make Dinner Day. Um, hey. Maybe you're lucky. Maybe you have that man in your life that just loves culinary, loves food, and is making dinner most of the time. Or in my case, you are that man in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and you are that man in your life. That's right, Ron. Uh, oh, jeez. All right, the folks, those of you just tuning in here to Chef's Corner, uh, a few more little tidbits I uh, wanted to go over. This day in food history, uh, 1836. You know, we're really going... Back a ways. 1836, Charles Ranoff uh, was born, died in 1899. Uh, he was the chef at Delmonico's restaurant in New York from 1862 to 1896, who wrote the cookbook, The Epicurean. The Epicurean. The Epicurean. Google that, folks. Yes. Google that. Here's one for Let's you. Start. Maybe a little less textbooky. In 1965, the Pillsbury Doughboy, Poppin' Fresh, was born. OMG, I had a Poppin' Fresh doll. Did you? I had one of the little rubber. No, yeah. I remember that little guy. They poke his tummy. Little blue hat. A little apron. The little 
a scarf around yeah, his little, neck. A little chef scarf in the chef. chef. I yeah. wonder what his skeletal system looked like under that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, uh, there's a... Uh, Ooh, National else? Bittersweet Chocolate with Almond Day. I love chocolate. Chocolate and almost burnt almond. Don't burn them. Almost burn them. I love that. The combination, I don't know what it is, but like almost burnt almonds and chocolate together is just the most remarkable flavor combination. It's that flavor, and I think chocolate and almonds are just good for any, any. I agree. Any point in that. Listen, we're at the end of the show, Ron. That's it. Thank you so much for co-hosting again. My pleasure. Thanks for asking yeah, me. Folks, um, if you miss the show, it's it'll be up on podcast um, a little bit later on. Special thanks to Elise, my special guest from Toe Beans Cafe. Go check out the kitties. Go have some food. Go support the cause. Um, and just relax. And listen, you know what we like to say here, Ron? We always have a plate set, set for, for you, you here on Chef's Corner. Corner. Take care, everyone. Have a fabulous day and a great week. Until next week. Serving Northumberland County as a not-for-profit, volunteer-run community radio station, this is CFWN-FM, Northumberland 89.7. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of Reality Realty are not necessarily the views or opinions of Northumberland 89.7 FM. The information given is designed to be informative and helpful. You should always consult a professional when buying or selling your home. Home ownership. Home ownership in the lifestyle that different types of home pro- homes provide. We know what we know about our own personal experiences, the places we've lived in. And if all we've ever lived in is in an in-town residential resale home, then that's what we know. If we have friends who've lived in a century home, say, we know that we know what they've uh, been willing to share with us. And, and that's only from their perspective. And a new build, well, that must be the ultimate purchase and home living, right? Or is it? Today's guest has owned all three types of homes, a new build, century homes, and non-century resale homes. And in just a few moments, we'll have Carol Ann Bell-Smith join us to talk about to talk about purchasing and living in century homes, in non-century resales, and in new builds. We'll start the show off with Snapshot for November 7, 2019 your local report on what's happening in the Northumberland real estate market. There have been 130 single-family residential sales over the past month, and that is down 22 sales since our last report. It leaves us with a decreasing inventory of 450 residential listings for sale. The average selling price of successful sales over the past year is up by approximately $1,000 from our last report and it is up to $447,000. The average price of residential real estate in Coburg over the past year is $470,000. Average selling price of residential homes in the town of Port Hope $451 and in the town of Brighton $408. During the past year, people have received on average approximately 98% of their list price in a market time of 46 days. Northumberland County, we are still in the seller's market 
with an absorption rate at approximately 29% based on the past month's sales trend, meaning we have a residential home inventory that can satisfy approximately three and a half months of sales at the rate homes have been selling. Million dollar listings. We have an inventory of 40 million, 40 million dollar listings actively for sale right here in Northumberland County. 19 have sold over the past year. The average selling price of these million dollar listings has been $1,171,000. On average, these million dollar properties have received 94% of their list price in a market time of 72 days. I research these Northumberland County statistics and calculate the absorption rate using information from CoreLogic's matrix system. And matrix is the local realtor component of the MLS system. So if you're thinking of buying or selling a home, this kind of information is going to be valuable to you. So how do you find it? Well, you ask your local realtor to help you understand this information, gather it up and understand it and know how to best use it for your purchase or sale. Today's mortgage rates, a five-year fix, fixed is as low as 2.69% and a five-year variable as low as 2.95%. As always, some conditions do apply with mortgages and today's mortgage rates come to us from mortgage broker Carol Ann Bryant with Dominion Lending Centers Alliance. And that, folks, is your current snapshot of the residential real estate market and events in Northumberland County. I'd just like to remind everyone listening that the views and opinions expressed on Reality Realty or any of the articles presented do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of the station, of the Northumberland Hills Association of Realtors, or of any real estate brokerage or realtor. They're simply our views and opinions at this time. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our guest this morning is Carol Ann Bell-Smith. And welcome back to the show, Carol Ann. Thank you, Dale. I can't seem to stay away. So much no, fun. No, you can't. Well, that's, that's good. And uh, I, I really appreciate coming in here. And, and today, today's topics, where we're doing a little comparison of three different types of homes that people can uh, consider for a purchase and to live in. And and it was so handy. You've lived in a number of these homes, haven't you? I sure have. How many, how many century homes can you remember living in? Three. So you've lived in three century homes, and then new builds. One brand new build. Okay, one new build, and then a handful of non-century resales. That's right. And, and, and I'm similar. I've, I, I know when we first spoke about it, I said, no, I, I haven't been in a century home. I did buy a century home and I lived in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't remember it at the time. So I've been in one century home. I've been in almost a new build. Uh, the, the builder bought it for him, uh, built it for himself, like on spec, lived in it for just a few months. And then we purchased it from him that way. And, uh, and then a handful, uh, a good handful of non-century resales. So between the two of us, we should have some good experiences. And you know, that says something right there that the two of us have had several homes because I think people, when they buy a house, they think, oh, they think this is my forever home. 
But in reality, it doesn't always work out that way for a variety of reasons. And I think thinking about your house as something that you may have to sell and move is a good way to enter into the transaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, not only for your lifestyle, how you're going to live, but also for um, investment sake. Is it a, is it a good investment? And 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 my wife Caroline and I, we bought our final home. I think we're in our third final home. <laughs> so that's how that goes, right? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I think it's the third final home, actually. Yeah. So <clears throat> you know, we had. We, we thought we had it well planned out. And that's where a discussion like this is great too because sometimes you have a, maybe a romance with, a, with a, a style of living and but you don't have the whole picture because you haven't lived in it before. And life happens. It really does. And life happens for sure. Yeah. And, and so this, we're, we're not going to exhaustively um, cover all the considerations for these different types of homes but hopefully this is the kind of conversation that will get people thinking in different directions and and maybe there'll be some aha moments where somebody goes oh would have never thought of that and that's kind of what I'm hoping um, that we can share with people things that you think you know may not necessarily be what actual reality is like yeah, and, and, and maybe in a way, the more you know, the more dangerous you are, because the more you know, the more you <laughs> think you know it all. That's so true. Yeah. That's so true. So, when, uh, Caroline, when I first mentioned this topic to you, uh, what, what, what was the first, you know, uh, pros and cons? Was there a first home you thought about that you don't? Well, actually, it, the brand new home because I had this idea if you had a brand new home built that one of the things you could take off the table was that you would never have to worry about large repair bills or anything like that. And that was the kind of the attraction. And I actually had gone from a century home to a new home. And the century homes, you know, when you have a repair, they tend to be sort of larger scale mm-hmm. situations, not always. But so I was thinking, that's it. You know, I'll have this brand new house built and it will not need anything. And sure enough, we were in the house in our third year when we had to make a, I think it was $2,600 repair to the best heating system on planet Earth. And I would never have been able to predict that. It was it was a, a weasel that entered in the system and blew up the motherboard yeah. and Fri- fried itself yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, and sadly. And, yeah. and 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 cost you like twenty six hundred dollars. I believe it was or repaired something like that. about four days before the house closed as mm-hmm. well, causing a little stress. But yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> but weasel. you wouldn't expect that at all. No. And and so it was nothing that was covered under a warranty. No. So you would think, I mean, warranty. When I think of a new build, so, y- and there's different types of new builds, right? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a new build where there's a developer building in a subdivision, or there's a new build where uh, you have um, a home builder uh, build you a, one, a one-off, right? Right. And and that was your your home or, build, or you do it your you contract or, it yourself. Yeah, and you, you you get contractors, uh, you subcontract it out. So people think about one of the one of the things they think about with um, you know this trouble free, 
perfect scenario buying a, a new home is a warranty, a Tarion warranty, um, which is fine if you're using a builder who is signed up for the Tarion program. Um, if you're not, if you're building for yourself, like you mentioned, then you're not going to have a Tarion and and uh, then you just need to look at the components, like the furnace people. What do they warranty it for? And they don't. Wa- they didn't warranty for weasels. No, no yeah. weasel warranty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so it's not all maintenance free, but there's a there's a lot of maintenance free in a, a brand new build. Well, you do, and I I remember doing just hundreds and hundreds of hours of research, trying to do it the perfect way that would have the least. Um, you know, footprint and fairest and greenest and mm-hmm. all of these things and really accomplished that, I think. But there are things that happen and you can't predict them or plan for them or research them away. Yeah, and, and I mean, you're, uh, I was in your house. Uh, it, it was a beautiful home. So there, a lot of the good planning did come into play because the living space was just amazing. And it was a very attractive home, and and you know you know what your heating bills were like. They were fantastic. I mean, uh, honestly, I pay more in the house I'm in now for electricity alone than heat, hydro, water, everything in the other house. And it was a bigger house. It, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So I mean, so the pro side is one of the pro sides to the first home you thought about when we when we talked about this topic is your new build. It's true. Yeah, and uh, but uh, you know some some mixed feelings there. Right, I loved it. It was wonderful. But to go into a new home build thinking that that um, you know that piece you won't have to worry about repairs, it, it's not true. In fact, we had a number of repairs that we had could never have anticipated, and expenses that you know were as many or more as an older home. So mm-hmm. that that piece people need to just think about a little bit. Yeah, and the price, I mean, the price is pretty large up front on a new build, isn't it? It's incredible. It? It's, it's more than I could have even imagined, and everyone will tell you, plan on spending more than you um, think for your new home build because it you know, will cost you more money. And so I went in knowing that, and I remember saying to each contractor, okay, you need to build in for every eventuality. We can't ask the bank for more money and go back. and. I thought we'd had every conceivable duck in a row, and honestly, Dale, it was, I don't want to say double, but it's double what I originally thought. Yeah. It, it was a lot more expensive than I could have ever imagined. Yeah, you, you take a look at a new build, and they, they tell you uh, prices from, and, and they give you a base price, but then you find out, well, you know, we for surely would need this, and we for surely would need that, and we for surely would want this. And then you start to add all those upgrades and, and, and start to think, oh, well, we, we have this amazing, say, heating system. Right. So we really should, to make the most of it, uh, add a little bit more insulation here and here well, because it only makes sense once you have it. And, and then it just snowballs. It's true. And these, the house that we built was um, a Guildcrest home, so it was a factory built home, m- mostly not all, partly anyway. Mm-hmm. But 
part of, and we had a super high efficiency heat system uh, on planet Earth, number one on planet Earth for efficiency. But then, th and this couldn't be planned for, at the 11th hour, the building inspector said to us, oh, that's electric heat. You're going to have to add another $15,000 of insulation. It's better than R2000. It certainly needed no more insulation, and it isn't an electrical system. It's a heat, sort of a heat pump, but yeah. a super high efficiency that almost costs nothing to run in yeah. the wintertime. So we really didn't need it, but that's the rule, and that yeah. you couldn't plan for. Um, and if it had been geothermal, which is less efficient, we wouldn't have had to spend the 15000 If it had been propane, we wouldn't have had to. But because we chose the very greenest and financially advantageous, it cost us 15000 that you couldn't plan for. So that's the kind of thing that happens that you don't really know that it could happen. Yeah, so the, the unforeseen... Uh, we're, we're sort of on the, the new home build right now. Yeah. So uh, the unforeseen. And, and so uh, same thing. If you, have, if you have a bit of a vision and you can imagine what something will be like, uh, that's great. If you have an accurate vision, I mean, not just a vision, but an accurate vision, uh, because quite often these new builds, you're, you're imagining off of floor plans and artist renderings and dimensions and and there's so many features in a home and you're trying to conceptualize what this will look like at the end and what will this will be like compared to any other home that's a resale be it century or non-century resale that's a challenge too isn't it sure is sure is you really have to take a leap of faith mm -hmm. in many cases yeah because there's stories out there where people have purchase that new build and and when they when they walk through it when it's all said and done it's not really the house that they wanted they didn't realize that this room was going to be this tight um yeah so so a tough thing and and then if you that makes me think about the contract for uh, you know say a developer and they have their own purchase and sale forms they don't use you know the ones we use for resale it's it's customized for their development and and through all of them they will you know you can read their dimensions but there's going to be all sorts of wording protecting that developer that there can be a variance in in room sizes and that's okay because there's uh there's i can't remember if it's a percentage but there can be a variance and and that's fine so if you're looking at dimensions and everything and you're thinking that can work we can just make that work. Hmm. I don't know if you want to work on those fine margins. No, you really have to be prepared to be flexible. You really do. Yeah. And then what, what about, well, I'm going to ask you about on new builds when we come back. We're going to take a break. But I'm going to ask you about timing, completion of the build. And we'll, let's find out how your new build went. Okay. So, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, Truly Local Radio. Join us after this break, and we are speaking with Carol Ann Bell-Smith, and we're talking about living in homes, purchasing homes, be it century, uh, non-century resales, or new builds, and just covering some points a person ought to think about. Never in the history of popular music has there been a force like the Beatles.
Their magic is such that people want to know all about their music and how each song was conceived, written, and performed. So, in this series on the Beatles, we'll follow all of their recorded work. Here is the most complete radio program ever done on the Beatles. The Beatles, the days in their life. Join us every Sunday afternoon at 2, only on Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. Hi, Northumberland. Karen here from Just Brew It. We're now in our fifth year serving Northumberland. With over 500 K-Cups to choose from, Just Brew It in Coburg has all your single-serve beverage needs. Everything from coffee and teas to hot chocolates and cappuccinos. Plus, we have a great selection of coffee and tea-related products. Remember, we also have gift cards and do fabulous custom gift baskets. We hope to see you soon at Just Brew It, 1040 Division Street, Coburg. Welcome back. This is Northumberland 89.7 FM's Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And my guest today is Carol Ann Bell-Smith. And Carol Ann and I, we are talking about the different types of homes you can purchase and live in and, and some of the considerations that someone ought to be making when they're doing this. And, and the different types we're looking at and considering are century homes, new builds, and resales that are not century homes. So Carol Ann, before the break, we, we, just, we just got started on actually looking at new builds first. And because you've done a new build, I lived in a new build, but it wasn't really a new build because it wasn't, it wasn't because the builder had built it on spec and lived in it for a few months and then we bought it. So that builder had already ironed out a number of issues that, you know, happen that need to be taken care of uh, when you buy a new build. And, uh, and I was going to ask you about timing because that's something I didn't have to worry about because the builder had built it and moved into it when it was built. But that's that's we we need to know as the rest of the population. We usually need to know when something's going to be available for us. And your new build was you were the contractor hiring subcontractors, or right, right. So how did that go for timing? So actually, it was really quite stress-free and it went very very well um the the top portion was a, a factory built home so it came delivered in a number of pieces and put together on site and they started i think there was some glitches in terms of the you know the factory um build portion it didn't get finished you know as soon as we we thought it might have but it didn't really delay us that much we I mean, we wanted for sure to get in before uh, the cold came, mm -hmm. and we did. And so um, it, we didn't really have the glitches that you hear horror stories about people delaying six months and eight months. We didn't, actually. And if it were longer than we thought, there was some push at the very end, but it was weeks, not months. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it certainly it didn't provide, I mean, it wasn't a great huge issue yeah so so that was good things went as planned at least on timing absolutely and 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 you being the contractor there uh a little bit different than if you were buying from a developer right. and and signing that big agreement of purchase and sale where not only do they give themselves lots of outs for things like we talked about before the break dimensions of rooms uh, because things can be altered slightly but they give themselves a lot of um, contractual language 
to be able to delay a closing date. Right. So a closing date will be in there, but then there'll be follow-up language in, in that document to say it could potentially be delayed. Um, and, and a number of these things are out of their control, and it could have been with you too. Uh, there could have been trades that right. went on strike. Everything lined up, and it was actually a lovely build. The folks we dealt with were wonderful, and, uh, you know, it was really a happy outcome. It really yeah. was. And, and it could have been uh, uh, trades on strike. It could have been material, shortage of materials. I mean, things backordered. So you were saying you, you bought just before the cold. You moved in just before the cold. Yes. So what, what would have happened if your heating system was on back order and four months later, you know? To be honest, I hadn't thought of it until right now. <laughs> <laughs> I had that all lined up and, yeah. and I had ordered it. And, you know, I, we, yeah. we hope that we had planned well enough in yeah. advance that, that it was all organized. But and it seemed to work out, so we were very lucky. Yeah, so th I mean, things can happen. And so when you're, when you're looking back, and I hope I don't make you sad reflecting back, but if you're looking back on that new build, what might you miss about the fact that it was a new build? Miss in terms of um, the, pr the process? No, the d living in a new build. Well, certainly everything is new. Um, everything in the, the building is new and, and, you know, the original idea of, of having things not go wrong and cost you money, we've, we've put that to bed that that can still happen. And it did. I think an appliance broke as well and, you know, so there were costs. But everything was new and so the walls were all, you know, they were clean and new and nobody had been in there before and you mm -hmm. were the first people to use things. Um, and actually designing it to be exactly how you want it to be was was very nice. You know, it was access for me. It was accessible. It was kind of a dream home. Cliff and I worked together on it, and that was a real fun process mm -hmm. to choose things and do the research. And I like to do the I like to do the research, so that was really good for me. So yeah. I miss would certainly miss miss all of that making something your own. Yeah, that 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 is a. Definitely an interesting, um, you know, component of building new. There, there's also people that will think about things and and just make a bad call also. And absolutely, yeah. and how what you think you really, really desperately want in this house, and you get into the house and you think, well, really, that wasn't all that important, and I wish I had maybe done something else. I heard someone say to me, "You need to build three houses before you get it the right way." Because once you get in and live with it a bit, you go, hmm, I wish I had done X or Y. So that's something to think about. Yeah, and, and we had a custom home builder on the show going back a couple of years ago as a guest. And, and we were talking about that because he's obviously building his own homes. And, uh, and just the way he would answer some questions, uh, it, it totally led me to believe that every home he lived in was an experience for what he would do to the next home. And so even, even someone building many homes per year <clears throat> until they live in their own homes, that's when they start to learn what they like the most. And you know, there's a funny thing about the new home build that I didn't anticipate. We, we, d we thought we would live there forever, but I had an accident that um, really took that dream away. And so we moved into a, a neighborhood subdivision home. But I must say that I really like in the subdivision home 
finding yourself in a position that you have to make things work. I don't know. There's something about making it your own by having to make it work for you. And to deal with the little nooks and crannies and the idiosyncrasies of an individual yeah. house, making it your own, that feeling that you have when you actually feel like you're making it your own for your family. I'm just, as you're saying this, I'm trying to figure out if you're a stereotypical or, <laughs> or maybe just, you know... I've had to bounce a lot. I've had to bounce a lot in my life. And so maybe I... Perspective is different. uh, Maybe. Yeah. Maybe sometimes you have to look for the the good things. Yes. And and, and that's that's a good message for everybody. Absolutely. Um, So there's, I mean, a new build. There's compromise. Uh, Well, you're talking about a compromise on a resale. But there's also compromise on a new build because... You, you happen to build rurally where you could get a large piece of land. Yes. Most people are moving into centers, into communities, um, towns, cities. And when we talk about those new builds, they're small lots. So that's a compromise for a new build. If, if you're buying in a subdivision, you're, you're not getting... You're not even getting the space you have in your resale that you just moved into. I think that that might have been one of the hardest things. We had 27 acres and it was forested and trails and beautiful. And then to move to a subdivision, we were looking at a lot of newer homes and they all had these lots that were teeny tiny and you just have trouble envisioning yourself being able to be feel free and enjoying the backyard and and as it turned out the house we have um we actually do it's it's quite beautiful the backyard and feel and use it and really feel that way but that for me was the first shock mm-hmm. of going from rural to urban was some of the fences touched the decks almost yeah of the house and 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 you're in a resale. You're in a, an established neighborhood. We we live in the same streets. We so do. I'm very you know f- quite familiar with that. But compared to new builds now, where you're in a new subdivision, I mean you, you your backyard's like a park. I I think there's something to be said for those homes built in the 80s, mm-hmm. when you know they may be not quite as luxuriously built as some of the newer homes today. Well, but they were at the time. At the time they yeah. were, for sure. But they seem to give a little bit more space. And now the mm-hmm. trees have grown. And so you've got them established and you've got shade and you've got kind of that park-like setting because your trees are are grown and, and the lots are bigger. The lots are bigger. Well, which maybe just as, uh, let's segue into into resales. And and I don't think I don't think we should actually you know spend a whole lot of time on the non-century resale because that is just anything, right? It is. And everything from built in the 40s and 50s to something that's, you know, built in the 90s. So and, and something that's a massive that's topic. Renovated to the nines, something that's in need of a whole pile of love. Uh, or both at the same uh, time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so it, it, you know, that, that non-century resale, it just captures every possible scenario, um, good living, you know, good lifestyle opportunity, pathetic lifestyle opportunity, something that you just turn key and move in and, and do nothing, something that is a project. Uh, and different degrees. So 
you mentioned that the house before the one you're in now was a century. Right. You mentioned there were two more centuries right. prior to that. When you think of a century home, well, let's go with the good stuff. What, what's, what do you miss most about living in a century home? I'm a romantic. Mm-hmm. And the history... I love the history. I love the way they built things. I loved the materials they used and the care they took. Um, so I, f- I fall in love with every century home I drive by, and I'm always looking for, you know, is it full thickness brick or is it brick veneer or, you know, look at oh look at the columns and uh, you know look. I really do love history, particularly Canadian history, yeah. you know, and the hardship that went into building those homes and, and just imagining what it must have taken to put a home in the ground in a time that we didn't have a lot of automation and technology. Said like a true person who likes century homes, the, the artsy type. Yes. And, and uh, I mean, I see it all the time when, when I'm dealing with, uh, dealing with, when I'm working with. (laughs) It's really dealing with, Dale. Let's just be honest. We're an animal unto ourselves. (laughs) When I'm working with, when I'm blessed to be working with um, uh, buyers of century homes, uh, you know, the way they tick is, is unique. And, and, and quite often they, they might not be actual artists who are, you know, in in a in a production or singing or painting or photography or or, or sculpting or something, they might not be that artist, but they might they might often be they, but they still just might be, you know, without that sort of component, but still there's an artsiness in them, and I find a lot of my buyers are looking for that kind of century home to be inspired, to write that novel. And to paint and to do whatever. Well, each one has its own story. Uh, and, and it's usually a story that's multi-generational. And, y- I mean, that, and that's inspiring in and of itself. And so j- I'm even just thinking about writing. Who lived there? What did they do? How did, what did they have to go through to, you know, be in this house and all of the things that go with it? All right. There's a good thing. What should people be thinking about? What are some buyer bewares about uh, living in a century home? Well, for sure, the repairs to, to consider, you know, um, what's there. Painted brick, for example, that was one thing that I had to deal with. And, um, you know, that was something I had to do a ton of research on because painting brick, especially century brick, is not good for the structure. And so in a sense, you had to work on healing the structure and that I had to do research with um, heritage contractors in Portugal and who work with um, lime mortar and things like that. And so (laughs) (laughs) you really have to really like research, I think, if you're going to be in a century. If you want to do it right. If you want to do it right. And you are a steward. You are not the owner of the home. I think when you buy a century home, that's one of the first things that come to your awareness is that you are a steward of the home and you have to leave it better than the way you found it. And that's true for every single person in the home. And so you have to do your due diligence and the research and think about it and make sure you're doing things the right way to preserve the structure as long as, you know, as long as it can be preserved. So you are a steward of your own home. You are a steward of history right of local history canadian history and you also are not in charge 
because you might be answering to organizations, right? Well, that was the first thing that happened to us on moving day. Um, so I had in sort of anticipated, right? You and you have to um, create a historic, you know, entrance. We have to have an entrance that can't be altered. But of course, I'm in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. and of and you know, and there are lots of people will say, "Well, you can't make those things accessible." You really can. Um, and so I thought, okay, we'll have my main entrance at the back and built a ramp up to a deck that was certainly not historic in any way. And, you know, a level entrance and all of that. And then the front door, I mean, you want two exits in case of fire. I had done plans and, you know, and that just to make it accessible. Boy, did I encounter difficulties. In fact, I, they didn't want to let me move in on the moving day and I had nowhere else to go. So, um, you know, I explained the laws are, are kind of clear that Mm -hmm. Accessibility trumps even history, and and being wanting to be that good steward, I didn't want to argue yeah. with people, but I still had to move in to yeah. sleep there at night, and so that was a little challenging. We did get through it though. We and and you it. had to get in to be able to live there. You really have to be <laughs> able to get in. You do. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you're if you have a historic home, if you uh, and it's designated historic, or even if you're in a historic district. Uh, there, you 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 might have to answer to the township uh, historical society about the do's and don'ts. It might even be colors. Um, right, we did that too. Yeah. I I know I have friends who own century homes who got letters posted on their door saying that they were the wrong color and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. So we had to go through historic paint, and in one case, we actually had to make an appeal in terms of a window, you know. And they had said it's twelve; it has to be twelve over twelve, but. Um, we actually had to do our research and come to find out it wasn't 12 over 12, it was um, 4 over 4 because the original owner, the builder, was a factor with the Hudson's Bay Company and was able to get the larger glass and prove that the glass existing was over 100 years old. So w we were even debating history yeah, uh, at times. So they don't have it all down pat. Uh, some no. some stuff needs to be researched. But, you know, they, they become... Uh, the town has become excellent at, at helping, and um, and they've kind of expanded themselves a little bit. And I, I found on end they were very, very good to deal with and um, really only trying to help. And, and for, for good reason. You want to preserve the buildings. Well, the next thing I want to go into is something very serious, uh, and, and, and it can easily happen with a historic home. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, uh, and it's something you brought to my attention uh, yesterday, and and that is water, and that could be for a historic home or just a historic community. And so, folks, you've been listening to Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM. We'll be right back. In your face, all over the place. We're online 24-7-24-7. Northumberland897.ca Hi, I'm Gwyn Sheltima, co-host with Felicity Signal-Reed of Word on the Hills. Do you like books and stories? Are you interested in the world of writing and publishing? Each week on Sunday at 1pm, we introduce you to the writing and publishing talent right here in Northumberland. Listen to writers read from their work and get a glimpse into their lives. Join Felicity and me on Sunday at 1pm as we bring you Word on the Hills, right here on Northumberland 89.7, truly local radio. Welcome back. This is your local real estate forum, Northumberland 89.7 FM, Reality Realty with Dale Bryant. And our guest today is Carol Ann Bell-Smith. And we are... 
starting a conversation about century homes versus new builds versus non-century rebuild uh, resales and uh, just starting a conversation to get people thinking uh, about what are some things that they need to consider for pros and cons of living in the different style homes because if you've if you've only lived in one style of home uh, you just you're very limited on on what it's actually like to live there because a lot of these things don't creep up until you've spent nights weeks or months or years in one of these homes so Carol Ann before the break I I mentioned that you brought up a topic concerning water water is is like so important to us and uh, it's a concern for uh, people that live in a century home and maybe even people living in a century community like a Port Hope and a Coburg um, and do you want to tell us a little bit about that well if people have um, been listening to the news we've been hearing a lot about water quality in Canada uh, specifically as it relates to lead in the water and comparisons with the Flint, Michigan water crisis and coming to the realization that there is way more lead in our water in Canada and Canadian homes than we ever thought. And so that, that's come up as a major issue. And I remember being in um, the last century home that I lived in, that did come up as an issue. I think I had it tested I'm not quite sure why, and it, and because we we had a filtration system, so and it came back totally fine. And I I think I just wanted to check that off. I had kids, I wanted mm -hmm. to be sure, you know, old pipes and things like that. But what we're finding is that it's not just necessarily old pipes in older homes, but older systems in towns and municipalities um, that may and our water is somewhat corrosive, um, or some or can be. I don't know. I, I certainly know nothing about the town in terms of, you know, water quality that way. But I think across Canada, that's being examined right now, and some of the um, the contamination has is really quite concerning. Yeah. So if if you're living in a century home, uh, or for that matter. Uh, you know, I, I looked it up uh, last night. If if you're living actually in a home that was built more than 40 years ago, there's there's a potential that you could have lead sitting. Like lead is part of the actual pipes that are supplying your your home, and so that could be your home. That could be your community if the infrastructure supplying water to the neighborhoods is of that vintage that it contains more lead than it would contain today is a concern um, and then even l solder for joints um, even though they they got rid of uh, the lead in the pipes in 1975 the solder to actually join the pipes that solder wasn't um, changed to non-lead until 1986 Right, so, so concerns, and then the municipal system itself. How old is it, and you know what, yep. what has been done to it? And and apparently, uh, other laws came into play in two thousand and fourteen. That's really recent. About uh, you know the the hardware we buy, like the faucets and and different things. That anything you know, right now. Um, what does it say hardware could contain up to 8% lead so 
prior to 2014, that hardware could contain up to 8 per 8% lead, which is, you know, not what they're allowing today. And, and the article didn't actually say what they're allowing today. So makes you want to get your water tested, doesn't it? And, and that's not a typical test. That's no. a test that you're a actually asking for right. um, a, lead, a lead reading because you can protect yourself from it. There's filtering systems out there and, and uh, yeah. Which makes sense anyway, Yeah, I think. Well, yeah. it made, you know, we were talking on break and it, it's making me wonder, maybe I should just take a, a test of my water. And, and one of the things is they, they recommend if, if potentially you have some uh, higher levels of lead in your water, and, and it used to be in Canada they were allowing 10 parts per billion, and now they've gone down to five, so they're discovering more, um, you know, issues. Uh, one of the things is to get a filter, and, uh, and the other thing is just let your water run. Let the water run for a while because the water that's been sitting there in the pipes, uh, you know, it has a chance to, for the lead to leach out into it, whereas it's just passing by quickly, you know, things are much better. But a big consideration, especially in a century home. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And water, too, and, and where you don't want it to be. That's the other thing I know we came... Um, across you and I working together looking for a home, I'm allergic to mold severely, in fact, and almost anaphylactically, in fact, in very much that way. And it, that's, um, that's, a, that's a consideration in an older home. Has there been a water leak somewhere that's not been um, dealt with? Uh, something to really think about. Um, and, I mean, for, for me, it would be a deal breaker. I couldn't live in a home that you know, had a water intrusion and a mold problem. But that's something that does happen. And, and and I would say with just my own experience going into homes, showing homes, uh, selling homes, that if we're going into, and I, I remember I remember mentioning this to you because you you were drawn to these older homes. And, and I, I would say, you know, more than half of these homes, and, and that's trying to be conservative, but more than half of these homes are going to have a bit of a, a mustiness to those basements because after over 100 years, to think water's never entered those stone basements, I mean, that's just not realistic. Uh, to think that, I mean, it could be, it could be, uh, but quite often that's not the case. And uh, Even with newer homes. Yeah, yeah. Even with newer homes, you sometimes, if there has been water intrusion, or for example, their sump has failed, and you know, and it wasn't properly cleaned up, you have to be very, very careful if you have um, anyone with mold issues. Now, saying yeah. this, saying this, I've been very recently in in two two century homes, one in Port Hope, one in Coburg, uh, doing a market analysis on both, and one of the basements. Most of the time, a century home basement will not be finished. Uh, one of the basements was unfinished, and it was, you know, pretty century basement looking, but it was dry and it smelt great. Like, they do exist. Absolutely, they, they do. They absolutely do exist, but, <clears throat> you know, they tend to be the exception and not the rule. And then the other one in Coburg, they had actually finished it uh, somewhat, and uh, 
it was a low basement, so it wasn't, you know, a full ceiling, uh, but somebody had finished it, um, and and it, it, it too smelt very, very good. So it doesn't always happen, but uh, certainly... Certainly, that's another water issue. And know. there are lots of things can be done if there are issues. You know, mold abatement is leaps and bounds to what it used to be. And even, you know, stopping whatever it is that's causing it and, and remedying it can go a long way. Every, pretty much everything can be fixed. Right. There, we, we have technologies and we have ways, and it's just, it's just a matter of dollars, usually. And, and some of them are not that... Uh, you know, ridiculously priced. No, that's so true. Yeah. So I asked you what you missed about, no, I, what did, was my last question to you about the century home? What, well. What did I miss about the new home? I think the new home. And then, uh, so, so what, what do you miss about century homes? Wow. Well, I miss those big, wide doorways. <laughs> I wish them was a lot. They're, they're always yeah. wider. And so for someone in, who uses a mobility aid, it just makes it easier to get around. I miss the big, wide open spaces, the tall ceilings. I really love those. The big, long windows, although I've got lots of windows in the house mm-hmm. we're in now, which is, which is really good. But I do miss that. Um, and I miss the feeling of the bones, and that's the sort of romantic end of it. You know, the, all the, the little pieces of trim and the you know that you won't find anywhere else the thick big trim i love that but you you can i mean that's that's an interesting because you're mentioning components right Right. and 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 one of the comments you just made was it just missed like the bones of it so that's that's something that's like hard to describe right right that's just a feeling you got when you're in that home but some other things you're mentioning like it would be, we, we might say, exaggerated trim, you know, millwork, where right. you have baseboards that are, you know, 8, 10, 12 inches tall, and, and crown molding and, and, and grand, you know, millwork like that. That's stuff we can do in our resales. Absolutely. That's so true, because I did have a repair of a doorway, and so I had to bring in someone who did that kind of work, and they copied it exactly, and you couldn't tell where the repair was done. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people, I've seen people even stack, like uh, for baseboards, stack two different trims to create one sort of grand trim. And uh, it looked really good. It really does look good. I guess it's just character, but that's, as you say, you can, you can do that yourself. It comes with built-in character, you know, the yeah. ceiling medallions, which you can still get those. Mm-hmm. You make it look just the you know, the way a century home might look. And and we haven't talked a lot about this, um, like the, the non-century uh, resales, but I see often in a, in a non-century resale where people have brought in uh, antiques, uh, s- sort of replicating what you would f- typically find in a century home and, and have a synergy of new and old and and it looks so good it really does and many builders i think particularly in this town do a good job of replicating some of the uh, features of sort of architecture from the past and i love that um and then it makes sense if you you know bring that in 
to the interior of the home as well. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even if you, I mean, there's going to be different opinions on this. So some people will love the century home and you do not mess with the century home. You do not alter it because that's, that's the beauty of the century home. And, and, they, and when they do their repairs or renovations, it's all taking into account keeping things, you know, circa whatever that year is. Right. But then there's other people who say, you know what, I am going to, I am going to blend in modern with this century. And I personally like that. You know, you get a, a bathroom with a, a, a big clawfoot tub and beside it is some large glass uh, shower, a glass and tiled shower. Kind of best of both worlds. Yeah. And, and I think design-wise that, that looks really good. We've seen that a few times when we were traveling looking for a home, mm-hmm. haven't we? And they always looked wonderful. Yeah. Th- it looked like it belonged. It, and and, and it, I think it, ta- it takes, a, you know, a designing mind because I'm sure you can blend them and they look awful, but uh, with a little bit of thought and, and skill, uh, that, that can be done so beautifully. Caroline, we are we're getting close to the end of the show. And, and I know we talked on a break and we said, oh, my goodness, we have so much material here looking at century versus new build versus uh, non-century resale. And we said we could make this into a couple shows. Are you up for that? I am. I think we haven't, we've sort of just scratched the surface of some of this stuff. And I know that I I wish I could have listened to a show like this um, before we were looking because I might have opened my mind up a little bit to different possibilities. I wouldn't have been um, maybe so scared of the subdivision home, uh, Mm -hmm. which really seems... Like, I just love this this yeah. house, and I, I'm Good. surprised to find myself, yeah, since you sold it. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I am. I love the house, and I, I did not expect to, but yeah. it really is, uh, is and quite wonderful, maybe for the reasons we talked about, yeah. bringing old with new. and. Well, then, we'll, we'll give you a chance. So, folks, we're, we're going to make this at least two parts, and uh, we don't know right now if that's going to be next Thursday because... We didn't plan on this, so you'll have to check your uh, schedule. My schedule says I'm here, but uh, we may have to skip a Thursday or something, depending on what you got booked. But, Caroline, thank you very much for joining me this morning and uh, and your insight. You're just, um, you know, honest insight on your experiences with these different homes and being willing to share it. And, uh, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for having me, Dale, and thank you for uh, being on the journey and uh, putting in the enormous work it is to help a person with a disability find a, a new home. It, it makes you experienced in a way that, you know, other realtors, you know, won't, won't be able to even understand. Oh, I, 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 I got a, a whole lot out of that, and, and uh, you know, I think about could there be a course on you know, realtors um, helping people with disabilities. And absolutely, there there could be a, a need for it. I've never seen it, uh, but there's a need for it. But I'm not sure that you can actually under, would uh, understand it as well as just actually going through it. So, right. yeah. And thanks for being patient with me. So, folks, if you have any questions or comments about today's show or for any real estate questions, feel free to contact me by emailing dale at dalebryant.ca. 
I'm an active real estate broker with Royal LePage Pro Alliance Realty Brokerage. And don't forget to join me next Thursday from 11 a.m. until 12 noon. We may be doing part two of this uh, show, or we may not. It might be the week after. And that is Reality Realty on Northumberland 89.7 FM, truly local radio. Until next week, folks. So, have you tried a therapeutic blanket? What's a therapeutic blanket? It's a blanket that helps you relax, lower anxiety, and creates a calmer mood. How? Well, it naturally increases production of hormones in your